Creating an online course can be one of the most effective and profitable ways to get your knowledge or skill out into the world. And that's exactly what I'm going to be talking about with my guest today, Molly Wendell. See, Molly built a hugely successful business creating online courses for executives, executives that were looking to increase their networking or looking to find new and better paying jobs. Over the years of building that business, she's learned a thing or two about how to create an effective online course. And that's exactly what we sat down to talk about in this episode of What's the Secret? Now, Molly lives in Denver, Colorado. She holds an MBA from the University of California, Irvine, and she has a bachelor's in marketing from San Diego State University. And in this episode of What's the Secret podcast, we talk about what you need to do to create an effective course and deliver the results that you promise from the get-go. You're going to love this episode. Molly really lays down some incredible golden nuggets and tips that anyone looking to create an online course needs to know. So sit back, grab a drink, enjoy this episode of What's the Secret podcast with Molly Wendell. And if you haven't already, make sure you head over to TomGaddis.com, download your free e-guide, The Milk at Method, and check out any show notes for this episode. Tired of being at the mercy of your job? Tired of watching your hard work fill someone else's bank account? Want control of your time and lifestyle? Well, if you want the real secrets, the gurus won't tell you of how ordinary people just like you and me, can create thriving businesses that deliver financial and lifestyle freedom, you're in the right place. Aloha. My name's Tom Gaddis, and welcome to What's the Secret Podcast. Aloha, and welcome to What's the Secret Podcast. Molly Wendell, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic, Tom. This is great to be here with you. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you here on the show as well. And, uh, you know, for the listeners, uh, I actually met Molly. We were both speaking at an event recently called PodFest Global. And uh, we were actually in the same, talking about the same the same topic. And so we had a little pre-meeting to kind of discuss some strategy. And I was like, this is one one sharp lady. And I wanted to get her on the podcast. So I've been looking forward to this. Very cool. Me too. Me too. It's it's fun to have some like-mindedness and know yeah. that you're both focused on the same thing, right? Or similar. Yeah, I think it's awesome. And I know you're in uh, Denver, Colorado, right? I am. And uh, Denver, Colorado, the only place in the country where it can snow while the sun is shining. That's what <laughs> I noticed today. Which I think is great. Like I always tell, because I used to live just outside of Detroit. And uh -huh. the thing about Detroit was, it would just be so gray and overcast the whole time. And it would drive me crazy. Like I didn't mind the snow so much, but it was the gray and the overcast that I couldn't take. And I always envied Colorado because I knew it would be sunny and snow there. And I'm like, I could hack it if it was sunny and snowing. Right. I, I, my husband calls it winter for dummies. Actually, we should, probably shouldn't mention that because then all these people will flock to Colorado, but it's, it's a great place to be. That's yeah, so funny. I was just talking to my wife about maybe taking a trip there to visit with the kids. But yeah, I mean, I opted for nice weather. That's why I moved to Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I always tell people that, you know, I have friends that say I could never live in Hawaii because I love the seasons too much, you know, and I'm like, well, I love the seasons too, but that's why I live in a place that got rid of all the crummy ones. 
Right, right, right. And you can travel to the you can travel to Detroit if you really want to in the winter if you really want to see that season. Which we have, which always shocks people when you go there because they're like, "Oh, where are you from?" You're like Maui. They're like, "What are you doing here?" Right. <laughs> and I think we're from almost this very close to each other in Detroit when I was very young. So. Oh yeah, I mean, that's right. You I remember to... those gray gray days. So Colorado is definitely a better place for me. So that's good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's get right into it. I know uh, maybe a lot of listeners aren't familiar with you and what you do. So why don't you kind of catch the listeners up, tell them what you do, what we're going to talk about, and we'll just go from there. Well, here's what I do. I uh, am a leadership expert. I work with executives and leadership teams. And in my process of doing executive retreats and executive coaching and working with the teams, I realized that there's some information that they need to know. And I kept saying it over and over and over again. And one day I said, I'm going to build this into an online course. And so I created my first online course and had a lot of success at it and didn't realize how good I was at online courses until I started hanging around people in the online course world and found that your course organizes in my head. And so that's how I got into online courses. I, I, I knew something that other people needed to know, created a course, had success with it, made a lot of money with it. And said, this is, this is pretty cool. I can scale my business right from my home office and, uh, and spread the message I was meant to spread and make money in the process. And so that's how I got into the journey of online courses. And since then, I've been in it for a few years. And I, uh, I've seen how to do things right and how to not do things right. And I've seen people succeed and I've seen people fail. And I've created, since I created my first course, I've created more courses but what really happened to me as a result of online courses is it made me rethink how I think about everything in my business, how I think about how I show up in person, how I think about how I show up online, everything. And so online courses is not just about your online course. It's about, it's about scaling your business in different ways that you never thought possible. Yeah, that's such a great point. You know, and you, you mentioned something there because you, you said you're doing, you put together an online course for executives. And mm-hmm. are these like, so corporate, corporate type corporate. people, right? Correct. Yes. So one thing I'm curious about, because, you know, I know when you're putting a course together, it's important that you identify your market and that kind of stuff. Do you find a, like a lot of people, I think when they think of putting out a course, right, they think about putting it out to the masses, right? It's going to go out everywhere. It's going to do that. One, I would be interested to hear your thoughts on that. And then also too, I'd be interested to hear like, what are the differences uh, or some of the differences you think when you're talking to executive type people, right? Like if you're, if you're, you know, what are some, maybe some, uh, I don't know if quirks is the right word, but uh, maybe some things of that particular market that you found in your experience resonates with them or, or doesn't? Well, I would, let's, let's start with the first question is uh, thinking that you're going to sell your course. Everyone needs your course, right? Everyone needs whatever you're selling. And there's two things that come to mind with that is when you're all things to all people, you're nothing to no one. And so you need to be thinking, you know what? My course doesn't work for everybody. It only works for the right people, the people who actually need it, my specific audience. I also had a sixth grade teacher who used to say, to be specific is terrific, to be vague is the plague. And that's true with pretty much everything, but also true with online courses is the more specific you are about who you serve and what the result they're going to get, the more likely people will buy. 
And a lot of times people say, don't niche your course, niche your, niche your marketing. Build a course that can be for multiple people, but niche your marketing. And part of me agrees with that and the other part of me doesn't. I think about my job search course. I have a, a, a course for executives in the job search. That's the one I started with. And when people look at that, they say, oh, this course could be for kids right out of college. And I'm like, well, not really, because their issues are different. And so when you're right out of college, you're probably not being discriminated against for your age, and you're probably not too high priced. And so your issues are very different. You probably just don't know anything, and you're trying to position yourself of how not knowing anything and having zero experience can I get in the game versus an executive who says, I have all this experience and I know all this stuff and how can I be back in the game? And so when you think about being specific to the right audience, you know how to build the course, you know what's what should be included and what shouldn't be included. And you're also what's also critical in your marketing, you're gonna have the right key messages. I'm never gonna, if I'm talking to a group of college students, which I, I don't talk to that often because they don't get my jokes. So it's, it's harder. <laughs> but uh, when I'm talking to them, I, I talk about job search very differently than I would to a group of executives. I also have a course for networking and building relationships for executives. And they, on the surface, someone might say, oh, that's for salespeople. And I'm like, not really. It's for any executive who needs to build their brand, who needs to build strategic partnerships and relationships and figure out where their next level of funding is coming from and, and maybe their next job, who knows, but that there's different kinds of conversations you need to have when you're at that level versus when you're just um, a person who moved into a new community and you want to build your network. I mean, let's be honest, most people think to build their network for three reasons. They need a job, uh, they are selling something to someone or they're hiring their recruiter hiring people. So, you know, those are three different reasons of why you would go out and build relationships. Anyway, thinking about how to be specific and how to be specific and terrific, not vague in the plague. Don't be all things to everyone because you'll be nothing to no one. When I, when I think quick, about, I think that's oh, a great ahead. point you made there because it's so counter intuitive right? Mm -hmm. It's so counterintuitive to when you're trying to create something that you're like, I just want as many people as possible. But the reality right. is the more specific you can be, the more you can dial in on that person, the more value you're going to bring to them, which, and I think that's the key part, right? The value yeah. that you bring to them that they can't get some other place. Well, and they, and they say in online course creation, well, in, in any market create or product creation, know your audience, know who, who, know the audience that you're trying to reach. I think about Tide, right? The, the um, laundry detergent. Their focus and their target audience is people who get dirty. I mean, really dirty, right? They're not, they're not interested in the people who like kind of get dirty. They're interested in the, the people and the families who wear all dark clothes because they know if they wear white, they'll just have a bunch of stains on them. And so Tide was really smart with their marketing because they're all about getting the tough stains out. And if they said, you know, this laundry detergent is going to be great for everyone, everyone will want it. The people who need the tough stains out and who are willing to pay a little bit more to get those out wouldn't have bought that product. Same with, same with like Dreft, you know, it's, it's for delicate things and for kids. And, and so if you, if you need something gentle, you go with something like Dreft, not 
not another product, not gain or whatever. So thinking when you know who your audience is, that's when you can get really good and make a really great product. And it also helps define what should be in your product and what shouldn't be in your product, especially in your online course. Yeah, that's I, I love the Tide story. That's great. I never even thought about that. I was like, oh, yeah. Huh. <laughs> You're I was right. like, I must have been the dirtiest kid ever because our family always used Tide. Well, I was. I know that for sure. But. Yeah, well, I couldn't wear white shirts for a long time because every time I would wear one, my daughters would get something on it or... Oh my, my wife gosh. would hug me in makeup stains yeah. everywhere. And I, I have like, more Cheetos on the back of my shoulders than anybody ever thought could possibly be possible. So yeah. awesome. So let's go to part number two or question number two, I guess there, right? Well, I think it comes back to, I'm not sure that executives are so much different. It comes back to what's the situation that they're in where they need the help. And that's for anyone with your audience. You think about what pain are they in and where can I provide value for them? So when you're thinking about whatever online product, um, whether it's for executives, whether it's for stay-at-home moms, whether it's for uh, people who are entering the workforce, whether it's for dentists or doctors or therapists or coaches or whatever it might be, you, you really wanna look at that market and say, I, I don't serve this whole market, I serve the people who are in this specific kind of pain. Uh, two examples, with executive job search, my course is not great if you're just dipping your toe in the water. You're not going to buy it because you're not in enough pain. If you already have a job and everything's fine and your day-to-day -day is not painful where you are worried about how you're going to pay the bills, my course, you're never going to buy my course. But if you have been out of work for six months to nine months to a year to a year and a half, you're the perfect person because you're in pain. You're going to take action. You you, when you read what I talk about in the course, you say, oh my gosh, she knows exactly what I need to do to get to the other side. I think a lot about my product. I have a course on courses, how to, how to create an online course. And my course on courses is not for the person who doesn't know whether their idea has validity. It's for people who already have content, for people who are already being paid for something. Like let's say you're an author or a speaker or a coach or a consultant, you're already making money with your idea. Maybe it's not as much money as you'd like, or maybe you're looking for another revenue stream. But if you don't have content right now, my course isn't the right fit because it assumes that you have content that you know, you don't have to go into a bunch of idea validation to say, does the market care about what I'm gonna build? You already know that. So it's just, you have to think about who's your audience and where are they in their own journey? What pain points are they having and build the, build the right course for their specific pain points? I mean, that that's so, so true. I know some of our, at my other company, Offline Sharks, like some of our best-selling products are always the ones that address a specific pain point. And we're going to show you how to overcome that, right? Those are the ones that resonate the best with our market and the people that participate in our community. And it, it is such a great place to get ideas, like just looking at the person that you want to help and saying, okay, well, what is it that's keeping them from getting to where they want to go? And then how right. can I solve that for them? Right. And getting really, that's why when you know your audience and you know them so well, and people say, well, this should be in your course. Like, nope, no, it shouldn't. Because this, this person, this, my defined audience in my head, a lot of people like to say, build your avatar and define and name your avatar. I'm not, that's not my thing, uh, but, but know your audience and know the type of people 
who, who are in such pain and you can give them an opportunity to get out of that pain and be successful, you're going to, you're going to have success because you're going to know the right things to say. Yeah. So I, I think what I'm, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but so what I'm getting, so when you're, when you know your audience and you know the pain they're in, you know what they're going through, then that really like takes care of what you talk about in your course, right? Like that's how you plot out your topics and what you're going to cover, or do you have so, more of a general formula for that? So there's a little step in between that. So knowing who you want to serve and, and you know, I mean, you pick who you want to serve because you know, you, you can bring value to them. But you also have to ask yourself the question, is this an audience I want to hang out with, right? And, and I, I, I'm big on the executive audience because that is my world. I, I worked in corporate America for many years. I was an executive for many years at corporations. And so, and I know those people. I know them right, left, backward, forward. And it's a very comfortable audience for me. In fact, my sister, uh, who's a fashion stylist, she always laughs at me. She says, you're more comfortable in a, in a, a suit than you are a t-shirt. And I'm like, you're right. I am. I just, I just put on my suit and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to roll. I just, and this is a great, great story. I, for a short time in my life, short time in my life, it was a two year time period. I was out of work for two years and three days. And it was one of the most difficult things of my life. And, uh, and I became a bartender for the first time in my life. I had never bartended. I've never worked in the, the restaurant industry ever. I always worked in, in high school. I worked for a management consulting firm. I, I mean, that's how corporate I am for some crazy reason. And so I'm working at this, I'm bartending at the sports bar. And I convinced the head guy to hire me. I'm like, you need to hire me. He says, you don't have any experience. I'm like, doesn't matter. I know your audience. I know your customer. Because who would come into the sports bar were people who were going to the baseball game. And it was a lot of corporate people and I knew how to talk to them. And initially the other bartenders would be like, you talk to the customers too much. You need to get them a beer and get out of there. And, and I wouldn't, I'd build conversation with them and they tip really well when you build a conversation with them. Right. And so from then on, when a corporate person would come in, they're like, Molly, this one's yours. I, and so they knew that because we all shared tips. So when you know your audience so well, and you know, that's the audience you like working with, that's step number one. You think about what the topic is that you want to talk about, what, what you want to teach on. And then the big step that defines what goes in your course and what doesn't is what you call your course promise. And it's kind of your guarantee. It's the statement that says, if you take my course and do the work, you will get this result. And, and so, for example, in my executive job search, my course promise is if you, if you buy my course and do the work, you will get hired faster for the money you're worth. That's my course promise. And so I look at my course and I say, does this help you get hired faster for the money you're worth? Yes or no. Is it a nice to have or is it critical to the success? If it's critical, it goes in the course. If it's a nice to have, it, it does not go in the course. I, my course on courses, my course promises, um, take what you know, make six figures fast by taking what you already know and, and turning it into an online course. 
that helps me determine I don't have anything on validation in there because I already say you already know it. You already know that what your product is and what content you have. So you, you don't need to do a validation step. It doesn't need to go in my course. So your course promise is going to be what defines what goes in your course and what doesn't. Your guiding light. Yeah. Your guiding <laughs> well, light. Your guarantee, your result. Like if you do this and do the work, I, I promise you, you will get this result. And it also, when you have a very clear course promise, it reduces your refunds because you say you're, you're committing to your audience, your, your students, that this is what you give me the money, I will give you this result. And if your course doesn't give them that result, then you just built the wrong course. Mm, that's such great insight on that. So when you, what, another thing I was curious about, what platforms do you use to create your courses on? Okay, so I... So my favorite, um, and I'm a big fan of Kajabi. I affiliate with Kajabi. I love Kajabi so much. <laughs> I help a lot of people with their Kajabi. Um, there's there's a lot of course platforms out there, and they have all they have single course platforms like the Thinkific and the Teachable. And and um, if you're not serious about online courses, go use one of those. But if you're if you decide that you're going to be serious about building a revenue stream with online products, not just online courses, but maybe memberships or digital products or, or group coaching or masterminds or whatever it might be, uh, then you'll want to go with an all-in-one like Kajabi because it saves you so much time. It has everything you need. It has the email management, the whole website, the things, um, you know, your lead magnet, you're trying to build your email list, uh, the integrations, the funnels, the uh, payment processing, and the platform to house your online course. So I'm a huge, huge, huge Kajabi fan. Kajabi. I think we, you know, we looked into that. We haven't used it yet, but I need to go revisit that one. Well, let's talk. Let's talk. I'll get <laughs> yeah. you into my <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. This episode of What's the Secret Podcast is sponsored by Offline Sharks. Offline Sharks, where website designers, social media experts, SEO professionals can get custom software tools and training on how to quickly scale and grow their digital agencies. If you're looking to build reoccurring revenue into your agency and go from one to two clients to six figures and beyond, Offline Sharks is the place to do it. So head over to offlinesharks.com forward slash Tom and start growing your agency today. You know, when we were doing the PodFest uh, global event, one of the things I saw you talking about in your presentation was uh, how you present the content inside your course, right? Because there's a lot of options to do that, right? Like you can have just a video of you talking, you can do slides. Um, and I know you had some very specific thoughts and ideas about the best way to do that. And so I'm curious about those. And then also are those, I mean, are those related to the audience you serve? Like, do you think about like, as because I'm serving executives, this format, this look is just what they're gonna want to see versus something else? Yeah, so I, I think that's, first of all, that's a, that's a great question. The, the best way to present is the way you're most comfortable. So you might go direct to camera, which means video. You might do an audio recording over slides. So you might be doing a PowerPoint or a 
Prezi or whatever Mac is. I, I don't even know. Keynote. Keynote. Yep. <laughs> there we go. And um, and do a PowerPoint over slide or audio over slides. The, the point is what you should do is whatever you're most comfortable with. If you're worried about cost, doing video is more expensive than doing audio over slides. So if you say, you know what, I just want to get something out there, do audio over slides. You can make a lot of money with audio over, sli audio over slides. The key is your slides have to be good. They have to be great. They can't be like from the 1980s with a, uh, a block of a picture and then a big white space like you know, bring them up to the 2020s, maybe even the 2019s. <laughs> so there's, the nice thing is there's a lot of templates out there to make you look current and relevant. And so that's most critical with your slides. But you, if, if you're doing video, if you're comfortable doing video, go video. But I also think it's important if you're going to do video, you have some text on the screen. That's why I suggest that you film in thirds. So you have you're in one third and then you have two thirds of the rest of the space to put any text overlay. It's more of an editing situation, but um, but it, if, if people need to know something or you're trying to hone in on a point, then that's helpful for people to read it and see it. The one thing that's most important and I think the biggest mistake that people make when they're creating their online course is you have to remember that an online course is 25% you teaching and 75% them doing the work. And most people who build courses think it's the opposite. They're like, well, I'll just teach 75% of the time and they'll do a little bit here and there. But, but that's not really what's gonna get them to the transformation. If you're doing most of the work, they're not gonna get the transformation. So if you truly want them to get the transformation and the promise you, you're seeking to deliver, then they need to do work. And if you're not building work into your course for them to do, then all you're doing is a TED talk. You're just, you're just standing up on stage and talking. It's, it, it might be motivational, it might be informational, but it's definitely not transformational. And online courses give you the opportunity to be transformational. So I would say the best way to present is whatever way you're most comfortable with. I have a couple courses. I love video. I'm comfortable on video. So I do all video. However, I do have a little course. It's a super it's an awesome course. I was trying to figure out how I could build a course in less than 30 days. Actually, I was trying to build it in less than two weeks, but then, you know, 15, 16, 17 days came along and I'm like, okay, less than 30, I'll do it. But I built a course called the Trademark Navigator and it's, it's the complete guide to securing the right trademark for your online product. And so it, if you have an online course or podcast, it will tell you how to get your, how to get your name trademarked super simple, but I didn't do any video on that. I did either, I did audio over slides or I would do uh, screencasts. So I would show technology and I do voiceover while I'm showing a system. And, uh, and you know, I knocked it out in 28 days and it's a great course. Most importantly, it gets you the results that you need. But, but that's what's, it doesn't matter how you show up, it matters how you feel comfortable showing up, regardless of which way you show up. I, and we were just talking about this a little earlier. I think it's really important to script your information, whether you're teleprompting with video or whether you're using a script and reading it while you're doing audio over slides. Some people say, oh, I want to show a little picture of me in the video while I'm doing, while I'm presenting the slides. I'm like, don't please, because what I want you to do is being reading the script 
and knowing exactly what's going to go in there because I want you to organize everything before you present it versus during your presentation. And it's a lot easier for people to consume your content when you're completely organized and scripted than when you're not. And so it'll make it easier for your people to get through the course and, and, and therefore reach the transformation. And the, the transformation, definitely where you want to get them. And when you are talking about the transformation, you talk about giving them the work that brings up another question for me, which is like, so how far do you go with your community and your support with your online courses? Like what role does that play in, you know, how, I guess, you know, do you have a team? How available are you to them? Like, where do you kind of set those guidelines? So here's the most important thing. First of all, the course in and of itself should get them to the other side. If your course requires you to be involved in a physical way, whether it's through a community or whether it's through group coaching or whatever it might be, then you have not created the right course. So their course, they should be able to take it themselves and, and get to the result without you. The support that you offer can be an added benefit. And you've got to think about a couple of things. I mean, you, you've got to think about how much do you want to show up? How, how do I need to show up? So I have a course where I do some, I offer as a special bonus sometimes, I offer some group coaching and I really like it because I'll show up and I'll, you know, I have no prep. I just show up and for an hour I give them ideas and then I hang up and it's, it works for me, but it's an hour a month, not an hour a week. And then I have another course where I don't do that at all, but I have a Facebook group where I'm there to answer questions if people have questions. Um, so it's just a matter of what you feel like doing and what you're planning to commit to. Some courses, your course should be able to achieve the goal in and of itself. I think you need to have some level of support, some place for people to have Q&A. Uh, I don't want a bunch of emails to me because I tend to have so many emails, I might miss one. I'd rather be in a community, but I also... Um, don't want some people can you can have q a inside your course i don't i don't want to clutter my course with a bunch of q a so i like a community to do q a sometimes people show up monthly or weekly and do facebook lives and answer questions that way there's all different ways you can do it you just have to think about what do i want to commit to that that is sustainable i think some that people do office hours Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I think that what you just said there is so key, what you're going to commit to and do consistently, right? Right, right. And, and be excited about if you are dreading the thought of showing up every single week or every single month in something, this is a problem. This is not the right support mechanism for you. But that's part of course creation is determining, it's actually in, in my course on courses, what is your support strategy? What, what are you planning to do? How are you planning to show up for them? At a minimum, have a place where they can get questions answered. And that's why I like the groups, again, not emailing back and forth, um, but how are you gonna support them? And then is there a higher level of support that you want to provide? Do you wanna charge for that higher level of support? Do you wanna upsell that? Or do you even wanna offer that? And so it's interesting, I'm, I'm uh, currently having conversations with my team on where do we go from here? And we're redoing our level of support because when you have 
all the time in the world, you will give all your time in the world. But when you start to get a lot busier, you're like, whoa, I can't commit to this. It's, it's interesting. My very first, uh, my very first launch, I offered a special bonus of a one hour one-on-one with me for everyone who bought during the webinar. And after that happened, I'm like, I am never doing that again because that doesn't scale. I'm exhausted. I am so angry that people bought this course because now (laughs) it's taking up so much of my life. And I was talking to a friend of mine who has a membership and she she was saying, well, she was giving me a situation and she said, should I offer her a one-on-one? I go, you need to act like you have a thousand people in your membership. And is that what you're going to do? for every person who has a situation, do a one-on-one for all thousand people. And she goes, okay, great. You've answered my question. But too many times when we don't, when we're just starting out, we don't have a lot of people in our program. We act like we don't have a lot of people in our program. And then when more and more people come in, you're overwhelmed and overloaded. So you need to kind of, you need to support your people, but start the game uh, with the mindset that you're going to have success. And so when they all buy, you better make sure that you can uh, deliver on what you've just committed to from a personal standpoint. Yeah, I think that's so true. You know, I know in our case, like one of the things that kind of set us apart in the beginning when we started doing uh, online course launches was that, you know, when people send an email into support, it was typically me or my business partner responding. And that kind of created a bond with them, right? But as we got busier, like right. it also created issues because then it would only take like, I'd get up and check support first thing in the morning and you have one disgruntled customer. And now like your whole day is shot, right? Like you don't want to work on anything. You're like, why right. are you doing this? Like I'm not yeah. motivated. So, I, you know, I, uh, I do recommend if you're doing online courses that you find some way to, if you're doing support in the beginning, which is okay, just find right. somebody to get yourself out of it as quickly as yeah. possible so you can focus on creating great content, right? Right. You know, one of the things that, that is a, uh, that I've seen with very successful online course creators is the community tends to support each other. The only worry you have there is they better support with the same stuff that you're talking about. And so you want to make sure that they're saying they're, they're gone through the course and they're agreeing to uh, to only give feedback that's relevant, that's appropriate from your course. There's one strategy that I've seen people do and they, what they, they identify people who are in their course and they call them ambassadors. So they kind of elevate them in status and say, hey, can you just help us keep an eye on this group, answer questions? And it's people, they only identify, it's a handpicked group, but they identify them, they've gone through the material, they know the material and they're committed to, reinforcing the material. It's another strategy. Yeah, that's a that's a great strategy as well. We do that a little bit in Offline Sharks along with some other things. We have moderators in our Facebook groups. We don't really have a name for them yet, but they're there, right? I like ambassadors. Yeah. It's a fun name. Yeah, ambassadors. That's a good one. That's a good Who one. Who doesn't want to be an ambassador? Like you have to pay a lot of money to be an ambassador of another country. I never knew that when I was little. That was my plan. I was going to be an ambassador and then I found out you had to buy it. And who knew? Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know. Well, you know, it has been amazing to me, like how many people, like when you start to build a community and you are providing value and you're doing that stuff, a lot of times people in your community, they want to help. Oh, they like, they really want to be involved and a part of it and, and that feeling of just being a part of something, right? So, you know, turning to your community, I think is a, is a 
a good way to do things like managing a community group and stuff like that. Obviously for email support and stuff like that, I think you need to have trained people that just do that. Right. But definitely having Correct. those ambassadors in your group is, is very worthwhile. Right. Right. And you can do special things for your ambassadors. You can have a group coaching for them exclusively and say, as a thank you for committing to us, you know, there's all kinds of things you can do to support that group as well. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Hey, where can you tell listeners where they can go to find out more about you, about the courses you offer? If they're interested in that, where can they go? Probably for this group, the best place to go is getyourcourseonline.com. So just getyourcourseonline.com. And that will take you to the different offerings on the courses and the trademarks and the, and the Kajabi and and really help you guide through the path of what you need to do. I think, I think the most important thing for people who are thinking about online courses is don't be lazy, build a great product, build a great product, know who your audience is, know their pain points and make it easy for you to sell and easy for you to serve your customer base. And so that's, that's in my mind where it starts is build that great product, know how to build that great product and build that great product product and show out to the world and get out to the world what people need to hear. People need to hear the message you have for them. It's, it's just a matter of you taking those steps to, to make it happen. That's awesome advice, Molly. And I have to say, I was excited about this episode and you didn't disappoint. I mean, a ton of great stuff on how to get your course online. I really appreciate that. For the listeners, I will put links to the stuff Molly mentioned on the show notes page. You can find that at tomgaddis.com. If you like this episode with Molly, we would appreciate it if you would go and leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. It's been uh, it's been really great having you here, Molly. Thanks again. I look forward to hopefully having you on again. We'll be able to talk about- Me some too, me too. Thank yeah. you so much, Tom. And thanks all your listeners. We, I'm here for you. Well, we appreciate that very much. Well, enjoy the rest of your week. What's the secret listeners? And I'll see you here on the next episode. Until then, stay safe and practice aloha. Once again, thank you so much for carving out the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. If you found it helpful, then please share it with someone else. Just simply share the link or post it on Facebook and say, check this out. Really make my day if you did that. Also, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already so every podcast gets sent straight to you and you don't have to go searching for it. Again, my name's Tom Gaddis, and I'll see you next week on What's the Secret Podcast. Aloha for now, everyone.